Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Meanwhile, how's the weather over there? If you listen to the Democrats, that's what you're told uh, Joe Biden was talking about when he dropped in by telephone on his son Hunter's business dinners in uh, faraway places. We're expected to believe that the big guy, you know, would just randomly call Hunter and Hunter would just put him on the speakerphone to make small talk with crooked oligarchs and foreign government officials, you know, ask him about the weather, stuff like that. Tucker Carlson got the big interview yesterday with Hunter's business partner, Devin Archer. It was on Twitter, or X if you prefer, and he produced a letter that was written on the vice president's stationery. It's dated January 20th, 2011, and it's addressed to Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca Partners. That company is Hart Hunter's company with uh, Devin Archer. And here's what the letter said. Dear Devlin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Hu. <laughs> That's the former president of China. Yeah, I had to get away from him. Uh, sorry, I, this guy, this, this, this Chinese president of some sort. I had to, Anyway, and then he went on. He said, I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed the lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joe. P.S. Happy you guys are together. Now, this is the guy who said he never spoke to his son about any of his business dealings and never met with any of his partners. So this letter should be the end of Joe Biden. It won't be. I'm going to predict that it will not see the light of day anywhere other than on Fox News and Newsmax. We'll see. Meanwhile, when we come back, I will be talking to former Fox News producer Ken LaCourt about what getting the first interview with Archer says about Tucker Carlson and the rest of the uh, cable news media and about the media coverage of Trump and the big guy in general. We'll talk to him about that. And in our second half hour, a guy named Raheem Williams of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education will talk about lefties like Kamala Harris not wanting kids to hear about former slaves who became self-made success stories. He has lots of examples. Stick around. Well, another day, another indictment for Donald Trump. Uh, when you get up to three and a total of, what, 100 counts or so, it starts to get a little tedious. But sure is a nice distraction from Joe and uh, Hunter Biden's problems, isn't it? It seems like when there's big and bad news for them, another indictment of uh, Donald Trump pops up. Last night, Devin Archer, Hunter's business partner, did his first interview uh, on Cap- since his interview on Capitol Hill. And uh, Ken LaCourt is, was a longtime producer at Fox. You can find him on YouTube and Substack. And uh, he joins us now. Ken, thanks for coming on. John, thanks for having me. So uh, does Archer choosing... Carlson, for his uh, first interview, mean Carlson is still bigger than the rest of cable news? You know, um, uh, look, it was a good get for, for Tucker, and, uh, and he, it was, he'll, he'll tease that out well. It'll be seen by a decent amount of people. 
Tucker's still not bigger than cable news. Um, you know, a lot of that is, is look, Tucker was, was big when he was on Fox. He will continue to be, uh, I think, a, a substantive player. He did a great job in a, in a different style of a debate um, recently with some of the GOP people. Um, but it's, you know, look, but, but one guy on Twitter isn't, uh, still isn't bigger than, than, you know, a Fox news or, or even a CNN. Um, especially when, you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind when you're looking at numbers is, is you're often comparing apples to oranges when you're, when you're looking at, at video plays, for instance, on, on, on the internet versus on TV, you know, Tucker may get, and, and recently, like in the past two months, YouTube, uh, uh, excuse me, Twitter has stopped putting up the number of actual video views that you get on it. They show how many times your tweet was in somebody's feed, but they don't show that. But, you know, somebody can get 15 million views on that. Well, 15 million views, those start usually after about three seconds. So as you're scrolling through, sometimes when a video starts auto-playing on it, that counts as a view. You can watch a minute of it. You can watch a long point. As opposed to now, let's say Jesse Waters on Fox, Fox News has 2 million viewers. Well, that's not how many viewers came and went. That's how many viewers are average watching over the entire hour of his broadcast. So don't get me wrong. The new media is, is, is certainly, certainly strong, but it's, it's easy to, to kind of, it's, it's easy to overstate how big it is sometimes. Yeah, I guess by bigger, I, I'm thinking more, not so much in, in terms of um, the amount of people watching, just that, that he would, I mean, he's not going to get a softball interview. He wouldn't. You wouldn't think he would think that he wasn't going to get a softball interview from Tucker Carlson. But he could have gone anywhere, including all those liberal outlets. And why did he settle on Tucker Carlson? Yeah, I think that's a couple reasons. One is he did get a little bit of a softball interview. I, I saw it. And yeah, it wasn't. Were, it wasn't a killer. No. You know, they were guffawing, and yeah. and and look, they're they're both kind of class traitors. I mean, in, in a sense that I mean, Tucker's a lot of Tucker's shtick is out there is like, look, I know how the system is rigged because I've lived in Washington. I've gone to exclusive schools. I've got four first names. I, I went to, uh, went to, to high end, you know, high end schools. And I know all, all of this and Hunter is a similar, similar thing. So, and, and, you know, Tucker used to hang around with guys like, like, like Hunter Biden and, and, you know, they were, they were, they were collegial friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were buddies, weren't they? And, yeah, I don't know how close of friends yeah. they were, but but close enough that that. Uh, yeah. that 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 you know his name was in some of the emails back and forth mm-hmm. on the on the laptop that wasn't didn't originate from Russia. <laughs> um, but the other thing is is that but but even more so is uh, you know certainly everybody everybody else except for Fox would have would have just you know they would have spent the whole the whole amount of that interview just protecting Joe Biden, attacking uh, Devin Archer. And and uh, Fox might not have done that, but they also probably wouldn't have given him a whole hour. Maybe they would have, um, uh, but they, you know they'd have to blow out an entire show. They probably would have stuck it in on the weekend if they did. Whereas you know with Tucker, he got to sit down and really talk, as opposed to something where you got to hit a hard break every every you know five to seven to twelve minutes. We're talking to Ken Lacourt. He was a longtime producer at Fox, a digital producer at foxnews.com. And so, um, Ken, uh, I just wonder what you think about the fact that I just, within the last, uh, well, recently, this afternoon, I um, checked cnn.com and msnbc.com, and on neither is there a, a mention of the interview with, um, with uh, Devin Archer. 
that didn't happen. Yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, you know, the media has have all gone to their respective foxholes, so to speak, and uh, you know, you know what you're going to get before you get there sometime, which is which is it's a problem. I mean, I mean, and and Fox wasn't wasn't counting Carl Carlson at all, but Fox Digital actually did get. 145 page transcript of what Devin Archer told told in committee. So, I mean, you know, they, they did have some of that. Look, I, you know, the, the media is now giving us what we want. And and, you know, what MSNBC viewers want is not bad things about Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden. And the fact that that this whole narrative that they've been telling for years about how, well, Joe Biden went in and helped Ukraine by forcing out a prosecutor that well, don't mention anybody that he might have been looking into the corrupt company that Hunter Biden just got on the board of. Um, and, and, you know, you see things downplayed at Fox, too. I mean, if you really want to be intelligent in this world anymore, you can't just watch one of those channels. You just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Foxnews.com uh, has no mention of the Tucker Carlson interview. But as you said, they, they do have the transcript of what he said uh, yeah, they're not. They're not going to. Nobody at Fox is going to mention Tucker. I mean, uh, Tucker's people were out there saying it's it's criminal, it's news, and it's like, yeah, you know what? You don't get in a huge pissing match with uh, with an employer, get fired, and then have them tout your latest get. That just doesn't work that way. Yeah, but I, I get you on that, um, Ken, and I understand why they would do it, and I understand even that it might be unrealistic to expect them to do it. But at the same time, I think they ought to do it. Um, if, if you're if you're serving your audience, it's a pretty big deal. This guy talking and a lot of yeah, a lot I, of good you know, stuff you can, came you out. You can of argue it. that. You can also make the argument that he said a heck of a lot more in the in the uh, in the meeting that they 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 got the transcripts of as opposed to kind of a puffball interview with with Tucker Carlson. Yeah. So, but but you're not you're not you know that that's not a wrong notion. The the, the concept of we don't want to touch this is you know probably was a small disservice to viewers. So you you don't think it's a big deal? I think, they, it's a modestly, I think it's a modestly small deal. Uh, and, and again, it's like what that's a, just how life is sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what, what about how it feels to the um, to the Fox audience, which they're trying to get back? Some of the people who left, and they are starting to come back. At least the numbers show that. But um, that, is that another slap on the face to the people that they were hoping to get back to watch the new lineup and all that? Would would there be some value in, in I don't know if the gracious would be the word, but you know to be just to 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 do it for the good of everybody to show the interview? Yeah, um, you know, look, it's a fair question, but on the other hand, I could be gracious to my ex-wife, and sometimes you just don't do that, and everybody knows you don't do that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and and look, Fox was, has has operated under the concept of we are bigger than our hosts, mm. and and you know and and to be honest, it, it, it and the the firing of Tucker I think was a mistake. I think they caved to kind of liberal pressure that was on them all the time. You know, you couldn't go two weeks without somebody from the New York Times calling up and saying he was a racist of some sort or making up some other nonsense. And they buckled under that because they have weak leadership at Fox right now. Um, but, you know, you look at July. July wasn't their best month in the world. And the Fox News Channel is the number one, the, you know, the number one channel on cable news by a decent amount. Um, you know, you look at the top 12 
14 shows on cable news, all but one or two of them are usually Fox News Channel. And then MSNBC is kind of popping up as the number two. And, uh, you know, places like CNN, you know, you've, you've got you've got Trace Gallagher at 11, 11 p.m. at night when when, you know, most people are going to bed. Uh, you know, he is beating Anderson Cooper's show by 50 percent, which is the top show on CNN. So Fox is still doing pretty well. Well, I, speaking of Anderson Cooper, I, he was interviewing. Who did I see him interviewing the other night? Uh, it might have been Goldman, the guy that's been running around trying to downplay the uh, importance of you know the the Hunter Biden and Joe uh, calling calling Hunter during dinner for some of those meetings, saying they were talking about weather. It was so painful for Anderson Cooper. He was trying. To to ask a tough question, he was trying to be a good interviewer, and it was so so obvious he just couldn't bring himself to make the guy uncomfortable. He you know he threw a couple of things in there and mentioned you know that well that looks a little shady. They just they they just have no interest in just going for the throat, which is which is what a good interviewer should do. I don't care what station you're working for. Yeah, although we 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 were just saying that Tucker Carlson had him on. He didn't go after any throats there. Oh, you mean uh, Devin Archer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you well, know we tend to, you know, what we tend to like John. We tend to like them going hard after the guy who we don't like. No, but you know and what? The I think the difference like, with we tend to have them don't mind them being nice to. Yeah, but the difference with Archer is though that um, that was not and that was going to be a friendly interview for the right reasons. In other words, for Fox or not for Fox because it's not Fox anymore, but for Tucker Carlson, this was big news that. Uh, and it was a big interview because he was going to say things that have not been said publicly. In the case of the other interview that I'm talking about, it was a politician who Correct. was trying to defend what Joe Biden had said. I, I, I mean, I get you that uh, the, uh, it's funny because I was my brother said to me today, uh, and he's a he was a big Tucker Carlson fan. He said he saw the interview last night and he was disappointed. He didn't think it was very good. And I, I really hadn't thought about it that much, but after he said that, I agreed with him. So I, I'm not saying – I'm not disagreeing with you yeah. that it could have been tougher. Yeah, I think there's actually kind of room for everything on it. I mean, you know, uh, who's the old you – know, Larry King used to have an interesting format. I yeah. mean, Larry King was never tough on anyone. Mm-mm. Um, so, you know, he was the guy that, 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 you know, when you lost your company and got fired from the big movie because you were a drunk and a drug addict, you'd go on Larry King and, yeah. and, you know, but it was also, you know, and, and Joe Rogan is a similar type of online interview where he'll push back a little bit, but he's really somebody to say, Hey, I'm getting your side here. Um, um, you know, I'm allowing you to get your side, not necessarily being in a, de- in a debate. Cause I mean, you know, Tucker was also like when you, when you saw him going after Mike Pence, I mean, he was hard as nails going oh, after Mike him, Pence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and there was a little bit of kind of sophistry going on. That was almost akin to Tucker debating the guy on, on stage. And, you know, Pence, Pence kind of bobbled the ball on that. Yeah. It's well, interesting stuff. Yeah. No, I, I got to ask you, we're talking to, again, we're talking to Ken LaCourt. You can find him at YouTube. It's Ken L small a C O R T E YouTube and Substack, a former Fox producer. Uh, um, so, you know, we're talking about how you ha- you can only expect so much from each side when it comes to left and right and, and going after the left if you're on the left and after the right if you're on the right. Has has it reached the point yet where there's an opening for an outlet 
that will actually be fair and balanced, which is what Fox started out trying to be? Or is it just, are we, do, are we done with that now? You, you, you know, just... I'm, not, I'm not sure. I actually tried to do that online, and I lost over a million dollars doing it because the, the way that we consume our media is so much on, on clicks and what generates outrage and, and, and all of that. Um, if you put up kind of a nuanced, fair and balanced report, you don't go viral on Twitter. Mm-hmm. If you uh, if if you beat the heck out of somebody or you're super supportive of it, well, then each there there's a there's a team for each one of those, right? There's a place for Devin Archer to be talked to in a softer way, and 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 wow, let's discover what this insider has to say, and that's the conservative world. There's a there's a uh, there's a place for the for the CNNs to just beat the snot out of them to say, see, you're you're you know, Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Right. Uh, but it, it, it's harder for that. You know, that News Nation, interestingly, they did a special on, on UFOs last week that that and News Nation is, is, you know, one of these tiny, you know, kind of cable hybrid channels that has some of the leftovers from uh, from the left and right. But they they beat CNN in, in one hour yesterday or, or last week. It was the LeBron, uh, the LeBron James, you know, black you know, it's kind of a very politically correct yeah. show on CNN. And so, but I've watched a little bit of them because, because they did break some of this, you know, UFO, UAP things that the mainstream media was by and large ignoring, even though congressional, it was kicking off congressional hearings and, and groups like MSNBC and, and heck, even, even the New York times hadn't mentioned the name of like the whistleblower who was causing Congress to hold hearings because it's, you know, it's UFOs, and so it freaks people out. But uh, News Nation um, may be somebody to look at if you, if you kind of want to get both sides, which, again, you know, most people don't still, though. Yeah. Yeah, so- we had Hannity and Combs back in the day. That's right. And, and when we got rid of Combs off of that show, ratings went up, because then people didn't, you know, because then conservatives didn't have to listen to that crazy lefty. Yeah, um, I get know, annoyed I- when I hear uh, Fox fans or see Fox fans on Twitter or other places they want they want people fired because they're liberal. Uh, who was who was uh, Donna? What's her name? The Democrat Donna, Donna Brazil. Yeah. yeah. No, I, actually, I you know, I didn't like her being on the debates, considering how you know that she was the one who literally gave the questions to the opposition yeah, side. Well, when she yeah, was she in disqualified there. You know, I had a herself there. Her. Yeah. Look, I used to run the entire internet for Fox News. Right. I was mm-hmm. the, the senior vice president of of the digital. One of our things that we would do is monitor. Who's saying what on, on, on incoming email? And, you know, we had a program and we had kids looking at it, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Whoever was our most out there liberal person was the one that everybody said, you have to fire, you know, yeah. when it was Geraldo Rivera, it was Geraldo Rivera. When it was Bob Beckel, it was Bob Beckel. When it was Susan Estrich, whoever the most popular liberal on, on, the, on the Fox News channel generally is the subject of most fire this person immediately we can't have there and, yeah. and look those people they're going to go to they're going to go to you know to to, to newsmax i mean if yeah. you can't stand hearing a liberal point of view and you can't hear anything at odds with what you think in life newsmax is a place for you i still think as much as as, as, as i'm willing to criticize fox they are more fair and balanced than any of the any of the other so of the too. major cable channels because yeah. you just won't find you know they at least have a democratic voice out of there 
when you look at and a normal one, like a, a real liberal voice, when you look at like the conservatives on CNN or MSNBC, they're like no conservatives I've ever met. No. They're conservatives who hate conservatives, weirdly yeah. enough. They're yeah. conservatives who I never voted for Donald Trump in my life. Right. and I'm a hardcore conservative. Yeah. It's like, well, no, you're not. But so so, you know, Fox has got some of that. And that's why you're seeing the hardcore conservatives say they've abandoned us and change and all that. And, and they have a point. Well, hey, Ken, um, I'm, I'm out of time. Uh, but okay. uh, no, that's fine. I, I really appreciate you coming on, and there's always plenty to talk to you about. I always love talking to you. Thanks for doing it. Like being here. Thanks, okay. John. That's Take Ken LaCourt. Right. I'll be right back. Well, you probably noticed that uh, Kamala Harris has made a, a spectacle of herself running around the country claiming that the state of Florida will be teaching kids about the benefits of slavery. It's a big lie, of course, and but panderers are going to pander, I guess. Uh, Raheem Williams is a policy analyst at the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, and he joins us now. Raheem, thanks for being here. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So why is uh, Kamala out of line on this? Well, let's just be honest. Um, There's a lot of political opportunism going here. Uh, the, The governor of the state's running for president, uh, he's of the opposite political party and bashing him and his state makes uh, it's politically advantageous for her and those with, um, you know, uh, opposition alignments. But the reason she's wrong is because of the factual history. Uh, there are people who were born in slavery and slavery was an awful institution. I don't think and I have yet to meet anybody that is that actually believes slavery was a good thing. Like, that's absurd. Uh, but there are people who did garner skills as slaves, and they were able to leverage those skills um, to either gain their freedom, or once they became free, they were able to go out and better provide for their families. That is not to say slavery was beneficial. Uh, there's a congressman, I believe, Wesley Hunt of Texas, he said uh, that that has is claiming uh, slavery was a net benefit. No. That is not in Florida standards. That is absurd. Nobody made a comment like that except for the opposition to this curriculum, uh, basically making it up. So just a f- quick example, Free Frank McWater was born a slave in South Carolina in 1777. He uh, came up uh, on the frontier, which at that time was Appalachia, and he was negotiating not just with his slaver but other slavers, uh, basically making business deals. And he would work when he wasn't um, performing duties for his slave owner at that time. He would do work to earn extra money with other people. And eventually he would work to win his fr- to um, buy his freedom. And he would go on to start businesses and buy the freedoms of, of his family members. Now, these are nuanced stories. Like for the case of Free Frank and Water, it's not known 100%, but some people believe that his slaver was actually his biological father. Wow. That that's the complex nature of slavery and the legacy of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people here that walks our earth today that may appear white uh, for as white people or what, you know, and they are descended from slaves. There are people who are black who walk this earth that are descended from slave owners our country is very complex. Our history is extraordinarily mixed, and it's extremely nuanced. So, but the core fact of it, again, Henry Ford born, Henry 
Boyd was born a slave in Kentucky in 1802. He learned carpentry as a slave. He was able to work, use his extra time to earn money uh, and buy his own freedom. And he opened up a very successful carpentry business. And he also would go on to buy the freedom of his family members. Now, I'm not saying this was common. I'm not saying this is the story of every slave. That's just not true. It's just a part of the history of our country, the history of slavery, which is some slaves did, in fact, garner skills as slaves that they were able to use for their personal benefit later on in life as free men and women. That happened. It's not my opinion. It's not it's not something I made up. Uh, I think the entire conversation of slavery is a little bit uncomfortable because it's not a good thing. And it is it is a stain on our country's history. But I also believe that what Kamala Harris is doing, what these detractors are doing is also a disservice, because are we supposed to teach our kids that early black Americans, the very first black people to come to this country and those who suffered under the bondage of, of slavery did nothing but pick cotton? That's a lie. And we shouldn't teach them that. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. Uh, and that, in my opinion, reinforces white supremacy, not this curriculum. Yeah, it's, it, it, um, it, it does a disservice to the people as a whole uh, to suggest that they, all of them were totally, completely devastated and defeated forever and ever by slavery. And that there are no stories of people overcoming it, which is is taking a gigantic negative and turning it into a pretty nice positive. Well, I don't think it's about framing it as positive or negative. I think it's about are we going to teach the truth? Yeah, well, and that's the a good truth idea. is that the American story, which Black history is a part of, Mexican history is a mm-hmm. part of, uh, Asian American history, the American story is a story of resilience, overcoming difficulties. And, re- and persevering, how we worked, fought, and, and, and bled for a more perfect union. And these stories are a part of that. Yeah. And I, don't, and I think it's absolutely dangerous to deny them on the, uh, uh, for, political, for political expediency. So I don't, I don't want the legacy of my ancestors to be uh, distilled down into being uh, just a few cotton pickers. We built the, the, our, our Capitol building here in D.C. That was built by skilled slaves. Mm-hmm. That's who built it. Yeah. Uh, they, they've been unsung for most of our history, and it's about time to give them the attention they're due. They played a fundamental role in building this country, and they were treated terribly, but they overcame um, unimaginably awful circumstances and they still were able to build a life for themselves. And that's what I want every single kid in America to know, that things may be difficult in your life today, but you should continue to fight for better. And that's, that's what being an American is about. And what you see here is not just this particular story, this particular standard, because all of that just political advantageousness. You're seeing the fundamental difference between CRT as a you know, critical race theory, emphasis on the theory, and what we know to be American history. American history is nuanced. It's a, it's a set of factual events that are well documented and telling from different 
perspective. Theory, however, is exactly what it sounds like. They want to conjure up this image of America as being always evil and inherently evil. But the fact of the matter is there are no perfect men on earth. And that's always been true. (laughs) We're talking to Raheem Williams. He's a policy analyst at the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. You can find his uh, piece about this at thefederalist.com. would you be willing to give Kamala Harris, I don't want to pick on only her because she's she's just maybe the loudest one and the most visible one, but there are other uh, people on the left all over the place uh, and and uh, in the media who are taking her lead and nodding their head in agreement with everything she says, but would you give her any benefit of the doubt that it's not all political and it's just that she's unaware I don't want to use the word ignorant, but, you know, not not she doesn't know what she's talking about. Put it that way. Um, I to be honest with you, I, I believe most of them should be giving most of the critics should be given this benefit of doubt. I believe uh, GOP rep uh, Byron Donald, he's been vocal. Tim Scott also came out. Both I think a lot black, of them yeah. should be given. A, yeah, both all black Republicans, they've come out and bashed the curriculum. I think a lot of them should be given a benefit of the doubt because when they were in school, they weren't taught those stories. That's what we're trying to fix. They, they, they didn't know this history. And I'm going to be honest, until this very controversy broke out, I wasn't aware of them. I did my research. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I give things a charitable reading. If you make a claim, I'm going to try to figure out the ways in which it's true and untrue. That's what I do as a researcher. I want to know mm-hmm. the truth. And I came across these stories, and they weren't in my history books either. Well, where so did you find them? Where were they? <laughs> Uh, some of them were, uh, the national, um, the Smithsonian national museum for African-American history. Uh, they have, uh, some decent profiles on this and, and the other ones were just things that I was looking for, um, in terms of, uh, Google searches, basic research, Google scholar. And, and the thing is, I was always vaguely aware, like passively that some slaves bought their own freedom. Um, that there was never names and stories behind them. They were never real people. And that's something we should try to change. We should be like, hey, this is an amazing story of perseverance and resilience. And that's something we should want to teach our kids of any color. We should, we should, we should teach them that. And, and that's a parallel that goes outside of African-American history. It goes into all of, the, all of American history from the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, We've always had these stories of triumph, um, of, of good versus evil. And, and in America, I like to believe good wins out in the long run. And that, that should be how we teach this, this to our kids. That should be how we teach history to our kids. And because so far that's been, that's been true. Um, I'm not sure if they know this, but slavery ended. <laughs> I don't live in the Jim Crow South. As a black man today in America, it is way better than it was 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 200 years ago. Oh, it's way better. And that's a good thing. That's something we should be proud of. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's also, it's, it's, it's a, it seems to me to be a, a missed opportunity uh, to, um, to teach people. Uh, and it doesn't matter what, if you take, even take the racial aspect out of it, just the human aspect of the ability for human beings to overcome adversity and turn something rotten into something 
and to emerge from it as a better person and to take advantage of uh, of it as much as you can. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a bad comparison. There are people who go to prison and they learn how to do things in prison. Nobody wants to go to prison either, but you they they in a terrible situation they took advantage of whatever they could take advantage of and turned it into something positive. Why is that a bad story? Well, see, that's the thing. Um, when we talk about these, the, the difference between what uh, the critical theorists in yep. the world, how they want to teach a story versus all the rest of us sane people, they fundamentally, they don't like the story because the core idea that, that uh, black people can 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 fight and work to improve their own condition bothers them. Uh, they want to teach that systems and society is inherently evil, and somehow through their oh so noble will, they're going to fix it all. And it's a lot more nuanced than that. Again, the the core isn't. Nobody's debating if the standard or the controversial standards is true, it turns out the AP, uh, uh, the AP, the college board, AP African-American history course that Democrats were supporting has a nearly identical standard. And they, they've been pushing back saying, all oh, ours is completely different, but you read the two, they're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> so, so it's like, nobody's debating if it's true or not. They're debating if it should be said. And that's, terrifying because you always hear this talk about how Republicans, especially that evil Ron DeSantis, is banning books and censoring people. And that's exactly what their answer here is. It's like, no, 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 don't tell that story. Um, Brutality and oppression is the only approved narrative here. Mm -hmm. Um, There can be no inspiration to come out of this. And I want to inspire the next generation of Americans to fight through the challenges they see in their lives currently and the future. And I think that's what these stories do. So, and it's not just these stories. I think that's been the story of America's founding. Even if you go back to the uh, Declaration of Independence and our separation from, from England, that was the most powerful military in the world. We were a bunch of ragtag team back, you know, um, back country, poor kids yeah. uh, trying to start a new experiment. And throughout all of those unspeakable odds, and un- unlikely odds, we built the world's the most powerful country in the world. And that through a process of continuous improvement, which has so far only been possible in America. So that, that should be the takeaway, not that the world hates you, you have no chance, systems define you, and you're oppressed. That's not what we need to teach the next generation of American children. And this conversation goes well beyond slavery and to what is going on in our schools today. And we need, and I encourage all your listeners to pay very close attention to these developments. What do you think the uh, – it, will the message get through to the parents, the black parents uh, and, and black educators in Florida – where where do the are they are they aware of these stories and are they aware of the value of them or do, are they do you think and they're Democrats most of them are they siding with Kamala Harris? Uh, as uh, as a former Black Floridian and as a Black man that was raised in Florida, uh, I will say my my hope for that is mixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the standards. Are uh, the, the the state has been pretty pretty clear that they're not backing off of their standards. 
So that means at some point, hopefully in the history books of, of the future, uh, they will reflect these stories and they will be taught. Now, as far as current voters and whatnot, I, I can't speak on how they perceive middle, uh, media stories. Um, re- mm-hmm. Republicans particularly have never done well with the black vote. I don't see this helping. And I'll even be more uh, blunt. Uh, I don't believe uh, Ron DeSantis and his campaign has done the best job of handling this uh, blowback. Although I'm a fan of the governor's policies, uh, his communication skills can use an awful lot of work. <laughs> well, he's uh, he's working on that. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Raheem, and uh, I hope to have you on again. That's good stuff. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Raheem Williams. You can find his piece at thefederalist.com. I'll be right back. Well, Donald Trump uh, indicted again today, so uh, I guess he's up to th- uh, three. Well, I don't know if you go by total um, counts. He's up, uh, I guess, 100. I don't know who's keeping track, but uh, he's indicted, and it won't be the last. We've still got Georgia to go yet. But uh, Victor Davis Hanson uh, put up on X. I guess I have to start calling it X from now on. Uh, he said uh, that special counsel Jack Smith added some new indictments against Donald Trump. And one of the uh, uh, items was conspiratorially, quote, unlawfully discounting legitimate votes. So uh, Victor Davis Hansen asked, geez, uh, was Smith here referencing Stacey Abrams, who for years claimed uh, she was a real governor of Georgia? Remember that? Uh, remember how sick you got of seeing her going on and telling people that she's, she's actually the governor of Georgia? Uh, how about Jimmy Carter? He discounted this 2016 vote. He said uh, Trump won because of the Russians. And then there was Hillary, Hillary Clinton, who said Trump was illegitimate. I think we played the soundbite yesterday about that. Uh, and then there's the – I was going to play this today. I didn't have time for it. There's a, there's a video out there of a bunch of Hollywood people, actors, producers, directors, faces you recognize. And after the 2016 election – they were begging viewers to contact the electors in their state and have them refuse to honor their state's popular, uh, uh, refuse to their constitutional duties to honor their state's popular vote, and instead, in an insurrectionary fashion, as uh, Victor David Hansen points here, vote for Hillary Clinton. In other words, they were telling people who lived in states that voted for Donald Trump, they said, hey, the Constitution says that, you know, the reason we have the Electoral College is that we don't uh, allow idiots and tyrants and people like that to become president. So, come on, you can't, you can't use your electoral votes to actually vote for the guy who your state voted for. So, where are these people? When, when are they going to be indicted, any of them? It's all so ridiculous. And I guess uh, stay tuned for indictment number four. I'll talk to you tomorrow.